हेलो एवरीवन दिस इज कथक का चक्कर माय नेम इज प्रमित एंड दिस प्लेस इज डिजाइन टू बी अ सेंट्रल प्लेटफॉर्म टू ब्रिंग कॉन्वर्सेशंस विद कथकर्स अक्रॉस द ग्लोब द फॉलोइंग इज अ कॉन्वर्सेशन विद पारुल शाह artistic director of the parul shah dance company she is committed to shining a light on marginalized communities and giving voices to stories that go unheard her work focuses on cultural practices that undermine women's dignity and respect building on the dance form's mythological roots shah tells stories that are steeped in history as well as narratives that reveal today's lived experiences drawing from a classical training in the north indian classical dance kathak and her south asian american identity shah uses her sources as she weaves in and out of tradition discovering new aesthetics the narrative guides shah's movement language as she searches for authentic expression examining the intersections of dance and culture the company's work reflects the embodiment of political social and national ideologies with a deep commitment to outreach and education the company has been teaching studio classes holding workshops and residencies in all the educational sectors since 2000 as an active arts educator in public schools for nearly 2 decades shah is a teaching artist in schools across nyc boroughs and tries to reach underserved communities in the arts and this is start off since it's a sunday for both of us what what would you say has been the highlight of your week <laughs> oh wow that's a that's a question um so there's there's a lot happening in my life right now uh i am in the midst of moving um so i think that has been kind of just <laughs> this doesn't sound very exciting but buying a vanity for our bathroom <laughs> has been the highlight of my week <laughs> trying to figure out the right vanity for our our bathroom that we're renovating before we move That doesn't sound very exciting, does it? <laughs> I don't. I'm not so sure. So I I turned thirty this year, right? And huh. the highlight of my week has been like I got this robot vacuum, <laughs> and I used I went from not vacuuming to vacuuming the same spot three times a <sighs> day. So I think as you get older, your idea of excitement changes. So yeah. it's just different. I think I, depending on what age you are, the things you get excited and things about are just different. That's right. about it. Ramit, are you calling me old? Me. <laughs> <laughs> supposed to sidestep that question but <laughs> and uh, just to get started parl i guess so uh, wanted wanted to ask you because i saw a couple of clips where mm-hmm. i saw you dancing without music and that i haven't seen a whole lot i've seen it as say an accent to a whole piece maybe but not by itself mm-hmm. and i think mm-hmm. in the post you talk about when you dance without music you get a certain appropriate energy from within and I was very curious about what you get when you dance without music because i've never done that so i feel music in itself has so much energy there's so much beauty and lyricism it creates a definite mood and sometimes it can carry your dance and sometimes the music can actually be more compelling than your choreography you know to really find the appropriate mood the energy the strength that you need within to tell your narrative i think the movement 
should be able to speak for itself. And sometimes if the music comes first, it's the music that dominates and that you're relying too much on the music rather than your body as your vehicle. Mm. So that would be for say in the context of something that requires a narrative or something. And would you say it also applies to say students practicing their compositions? Is there value to like say not putting on the nagma and doing the composition just without any support whatsoever and then putting it on? What do you think about that? Right, I think nagma is is slightly different, but I mm. also do think that there is um, nagma is also lyricism, right? It it helps along with your movement. Um, I think it is more challenging to do movement and execute, whether it's an Ahmad or it's a Thaat or a Tukra, um, or it's your own innovation uh, to first start off without any music, without mm. any, it's essentially doing it without support, right? Mm. To see if your movement and the quality is strong enough to stand on its own. Hmm. I have to think about that one. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it does challenge me, right? I think it makes me work harder in my execution. And mm -hmm. it makes me look at what is really necessary in this, in this moment, right? And when you do that, do you play the music in your head or are you kind of blank in your head and you're just moving kind of? Again, it all really depends, right? If I am creating uh, a new work mm. um, and generally that is how I create. I create the movement um, before. So it starts with the narrative and then it starts with the movement and then I create my music. Uh, so then when I get to the music aspect, it's very clear to me what I'm looking for. Uh, so I, I do think I have something in my head that I'm, I'm hearing. Yeah, mm. it might not be very clear, but there is something that's kind of guiding me. And then when I am ready to create the music, I can be like, no, this is, you know, this is, and again, it depends if I'm within a thal or I'm not within a thal, uh, what, it, what it really requires. Hmm. So some, okay. I think, you know, I have talked to other choreographers and they think that that's a harder process. Hmm. Um, it might be, but for myself, then it's very clear to me what it is that I'm looking for. Understood. So let's kind of have clarity and segment both things. Yeah, and I also do believe that, you know, the movement in itself should be able to carry your story. Hmm. Right. And uh, I love music. Um, you know, there are choreographers who actually create uh, without music and they, they showcase their work uh, in, that, in that way. I, my pieces, I have a lot of live music, um, a lot of uh, string instruments, um, and music is a huge component into my, into my work, but I do feel like for myself, uh, the, to really find it within my language, which is my body, it, it really needs to first start in silence. Hmm. Start in silence. That's a good one. Uh, and Barl, I guess you're talking about choreography, like mm -hmm. say the way you approach dance as a choreographer versus a performer, so to speak. Do you think do you feel there's a difference or are both of them same and kind of merged in your head, so to speak? Hmm. So if I understand correctly, you're 
really wearing two different hats as a performer and as a choreographer. Mm -hmm. And you can be good in one and horrible in the other and vice versa, right? So it is really a different lens point. Uh, and I do think that in most of my works and all of my works, I have been the performer and the choreographer. And I think it's, it is a more difficult process because you cannot see yourself. And of course I'm, I'm videotaping myself, mm. but you know, when you're just watching others do your choreography, you can step back and see it in a different lens. And when you're in it, you know, it, it's definitely hard to get that, that other second or third perspective. Mm. Yeah, so I do, I do think it is more challenging, uh, but I love to perform, I love to dance, so. <laughs> So, like, so when you're looking at it from outside in, uh, do you have certain dancers that you look towards, uh, say, if you, say you're the choreographer and you're performing as well, do mm -hmm. you have like the whole second body concept in your uh, choreography in the sense you assign certain dancers to play your part when you're looking at it or do you keep it empty and how do you do that part? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, yeah, I definitely do have that. I definitely have, uh, I will always have dancers that are, you know, filling up that that spot, whether it's my 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 position or somebody else's, mm. yeah, understood. Yeah. yeah, I think that helps. And coming to like say the narratives you you'll explore, especially the contemporary ones. I found mm. there's a certain like I look based based on the research I did. I found there's a certain like commonality between it. Now that could be based on like the kind of subset I chose, or maybe that there's something more to it. But, mm -hmm. you know, looking at uh, like a couple of ones I'd like to note, one was Enduring Silence, where you talk about the physical hardships, inequality, faced mm -hmm. under the guise of tradition, so to speak, mm -hmm. unforgiving, where, where, unforgetting, where you talk about South Asian female temple court artists mm -hmm. and their contribution to the field. Then yeah. your performance at the Yale Center for the British Arts, where it talks about issues of control, erasure of identities, and taking mm -hmm. back female ownership. Mm -hmm. And to your work, See in the Still Point Expanding Festival by Nartaki Online, where you talk about cultural practices that undermine the dignity and worthiness of women. So there's like, uh, you know, talking about marginalized community, control, inequality, South Asian mm -hmm. women. There's some commonalities there. Uh, but I wanted to know, like, what drives you to kind of do the narratives you do? Is there a commonality between them? How do you mm -hmm. approach all of that? Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. Um, so you know, I've been creating my own works for, uh, I think, a little over 15 years. Um, mm. And my, my, the crux of all of my work as a performer, choreographer, educator, uh, is to create a lens of empathy, right? That's the, and that we do through the art form, but it is really to create awareness on unjust cultural practices that undermine uh, the dignity of women. And so all of the works that you have mentioned uh, has that theme in it. The last piece that I did, All That Lies, is also very much set on a colonized mindset, right? But it is also uh, looking at myself through this patriarchal lens, right? That Gatag has evolved within. Um, and that's something that I have been shifting in my own choreography. Um, but yeah, absolutely. All of my work is very much about, uh, you know, looking at practices and traditions um, and ways of life, essentially, and culture and, you know, how, how it undermines uh, 
and devalues women. And when, uh, would you say there was like one point where you started exploring such a theme or that has kind of been what you wanted to do as you kind of move more and more into the art? Like what has been your experience? Right, I think, you know, it was, so my undergrad degree is in political science. Mm. Um, and so I think, I always thought I would go into international politics, um, maybe law. Uh, and what I did decide that I will become, you know, I will pursue dance as a career. It was very clear to me that I would use my voice mm -hmm. uh, as a dancer, as an artist to explore issues that are of concern to me. If you take some a historical narrative, mm -hmm like something that's kind of thousands of years ago, hundreds of years ago, mm -hmm. and you're trying, and if you want to relate it to what's happening today, mm -hmm. what does that process look like? Is it like you try to find a moment in time in the present, a moment in time in the past and see what are the commonalities, mm -hmm. or you start with the moment in past and it kind of works organically? How does that whole thing work in terms of bringing that together? Right. I mean, I, so yeah, uh, that's a great question. And Unfortunately, history has proved to repeat itself. Uh, and we look at in different, in different ways, right? So in that one piece you mentioned um, for still point expanding, uh, and it is about the sati practice. It mm. is looking at a very, it's, it's, it's looking at a practice that's coming from South Asia that's been banned for decades right? right and how does that relate to our life today right well you know still on the table in this country we're talking about actually very much right now we're talking about um the ownership of a woman's body mm. right so there are clear parallels that you know and we haven't moved from that mm. right sati the practice of sati is that women were uh, that they would be burned with their husband's body when they die, but still at today, right, we're still talking about who essentially owns the ownership of a female body in this mm -hmm. country, right? So unfortunately, we, the conversations are still repeating itself. And so that's how I'm, you know, making those kinds of connections. Uh, the idea of colonization and how that has affected myself and my own mindset, right? It's, I would, I would love to say that at some point in my life that I could leave this colonized mindset that is within me. I don't think that's actually going to happen, right? Because I am so deeply entrenched and embedded in certain thoughts and ideas and beliefs. Uh, but what I can do is, especially, you know, with, with students, with your younger students or with your children, right, to, to talk about it, to, to create awareness, to talk about certain ways that we think and how we can, we can shift that. So that is where awareness and conversation and dialogue is so essential for change to occur. Mm. I understand. And... Speaking about, say, colonization, Pavel, one thing I'm very curious about, mm -hmm. since, uh, so first of all, are you based out of New York City? Because a lot of your work is out of there and everything. 
Yeah. So I, yeah. So I, two years ago, we moved to New Jersey, okay. to Northern Jersey. So basically New York still. Okay. Yes. Because, uh, you know, it's kind of like a dance center. You have a lot of different dance forms working together and I assume different councils as well. Because right. um, that whole colonization thing and marginalization of Kathak itself in the context of Eurocentric art forms has been such a big conversation in mm-hmm. itself. Um, mm-hmm. So kind of when you go out and involve yourself or you, you know, you become part of this dance community, has that kind of affected the way you show up to places and you spread the awareness about it or you talk to your peers in other dance forms? What are you mm-hmm. very curious about that? Um, yeah, I think, you know, and also the work that I present mm-hmm. is also through that lens. Yeah. Right? I think I was mentioning to you before the way that I approach art is that I believe all the arts, be it, um, you know, poetry, a novel, um, music, uh, of course, uh, dance, it, it allows us to have, to create empathy, right? To create this empathetic lens. So I think with what I'm trying to do is and how I do present myself mm-hmm. is through these lenses of creating work that has this social message, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I hope you know, I hope that I don't call myself a social activist because I'm not. But what I do is that I'm trying to create paths of awareness where Mm. some of my audience members might be like, hey, let me let me go go home and look up who were the the YFs, right? What was what was their history? Um, Or what is Sati? Mm. Right. Or let's let's talk about and everybody is talking about, you know, abortion. Um, These are what I'm trying to do is to get a dialogue. Right. An exchange of ideas and for people to maybe go further in their thought process. Hmm. So that is I feel that is my I've taken that on as my responsibility as Hmm. an artist. And I feel, you know, that is the path that I'm going into and furthering it also, hopefully, with my doctorate. Understood. And speaking of your doctorate, so to speak, and that would be a good way to segue into that, mm-hmm. uh, could you tell us like the kind of topics you're looking to explore or uh, what is your thesis going to be about? And yeah, very curious about that. Yeah, so um, you know, nothing is, is set in stone. Things mm-hmm. constantly are changing with more yeah. research. But, you know, my goal is really my my own trajectory mm-hmm. in this country, uh, in the United States. I feel I am one of the first uh, uh, dancers, choreographers who are, you know, who have really explored uh, Indian classical dance in the mainstream. Mm-hmm. Right? And I have definitely had some really amazing opportunities in the mainstream uh, dance world. Uh, but I do also feel that I have been pigeonholed um, mm-hmm. and sometimes my work is too traditional or my work is too contemporary, right? And so what's happening to all of us outside of Western dances, we're being pigeonholed, mm-hmm. right? We're being boxed, we're being labeled. Yeah. And I really want that to end right or what happens is we're competing against one another for the same resources yeah you know we we just don't have that many spots we don't have that many spaces right so 
even in say Fall for Dance Festival, if they have one South Asian or Asian choreographer, that's it, right? Mm -hmm. The door has been closed. I have even been told in certain places, well, you know, we're working with this, with this Indian dance company. So see you later, right? So even though our work is nothing alike, right? Yep. It's just, so these, these spaces, I really want to open up because there are, there's so much more presence now, right? Okay. In this country. Um, and I really do look to England as kind of a model of how, you know, where South Asian dance is, is moving and progressing over there. So it is definitely something that I look towards and I'm hoping to have some of that you know, bring it over here and uh, really find more availability and um, more openness to not just South Asian dance forms, but quote unquote, what they call ethnic dance, right? Mm. This idea of ethnic dance really needs to be shifted, right? Everything outside of Western dance is considered ethnic dance, but mm. all dances have come from uh, and situated in a particular location, yeah. right? Everything is is ethnic, mm -hmm. um, but you know, in our grants, we have do you do you call yourself folk or do you call yourself ethnic? Right? I mean, mm -hmm. it's dance. It's it's right. dance, just like ballet, just like contemporary Western dance. Um, so you know, it, it is really my uh, goal is to decolonize dance education, which is a huge topic right now. Uh, mm. And you know, slowly, I am I am teaching a lot in universities as adjunct. And I think that that exposure to Kathak is my form, but all different forms of dance, mm -hmm. it just needs more exposure, right? Because people are not going to be interested in Students of dance are not going to be interested in the form if they don't know what the form is. Mm. And so I am trying to just, you know, pave that door and really teach in level of higher education, um, of, of students who are interested in dance as a career uh, for more awareness of what Gathak is, right? Because from there then hopefully later on, you know, we can have, we can have universities where you can major in Gathak or in flamenco, right? Not just ballet or contemporary Western dance or mm -hmm. maybe tap, right? That I think is, is, some, is, is the trajectory and my ultimate goal. Understood. It's a big goal. <laughs> yeah, that's what I wanted to ask you next because the what is pretty clear and you've taken on a pretty big task on yourself. So yeah. kudos to you for that. But I wanted to get into the how a bit because the whole concept of being pigeonholed and colonized and you know fighting for the same resources, we've been talking about it for a while. Mm -hmm. Is there, what is different about, I guess not maybe different or how in terms of like the action items you take in terms of, so there's raising awareness, but we've been talking about raising awareness for a while. Hmm. Um, so do you, what do you think it'll take to actually make a change? I mean, I think, uh, I mean, there's more people, more people raising awareness. Hmm. Is there something different about the time we are in now that we can make a big change or it needs to happen on a much bigger scale? Just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Right. No, oh, absolutely. I think, you know, this is the time hmm. BLM has changed a lot. Like okay. BLM has uh, really, oh, Black Lives Matter. Mm -hmm. It has really, uh, it has hit home, right? It is It is right now uh, DEI, uh, diversity, equity, DEI, yeah. is, on, is on the table, 
right? Mm -hmm. Everybody is talking about DEI in the workplace, huge uh, conversation at university. So I do think that this is the time uh, for marginalized communities, you know, whichever field that you might be in to have your voice heard and to get things done, right? Mm -hmm. So I do think that this is a really, um, it's, it's really the right time, mm. right? And I also do feel that in the United States, the South Asian community is also very strong, right? Mm. And we are growing and we are going in different fields. You are seeing definitely way more artists than, you know, than I was in my 20s, right? Mm. I felt very much alone when I was in my 20s um, doing my master's and also, you know, building my career as a dancer. Today, I feel there's a, a much stronger, larger community. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think, you know, at this point in my career, I want to give back. I want to help the younger generations. I want to create spaces where they have the opportunity to explore, right? That they have the opportunity to go beyond what was taught by their gurus, right? But we don't have that many spaces in this country to do that. Right, like the the festival that I um, am one of the curators, Erasing Borders, really kind of stands for that. And we're looking for emerging artists, you know, and also artists that are um, that are not that are more on, you know, that they've already kind of gone beyond the emerging status. Uh, but we do always give a platform for artists that are still growing and learning um, and are really interested in that artistic process, right? Mm -hmm. And sometimes we also do some mentoring, uh, but, you know, I want more spaces like that. I think mm -hmm. we need more spaces like that for the South Asian arts to continue to evolve. Understood. And uh, like, is there a concept, is there an aspect of field work to this as well? When, I mean, talking about the context of your like, PhD research and thesis and things like that. Mm -hmm. Is there a con, is there an aspect of field work to this as well? Yeah, I don't, you? I don't know as of yet. I don't mm -hmm. know, like, you know, there's a lot of in when actually, when doing your, your research, I'm not sure what my lens might be if I'm mm -hmm. going to be looking at certain choreographers, right? Like I have a great respect for Ananya Chatterjee who mm. has been doing, do you know her? Have you heard I don't. Of her? She's an Odyssey dancer, she's in academia mm. um, and her work is is very powerful, uh, very strong social social message. Uh, her, her company is of BIPOC women. Um, but, you know, I might look at certain artists here uh, who have been really changing and really making an effort to to change the landscape of Indian classical dance. Is that what were you asking me when you say fieldwork? Is that what um, you're... I you think I, I, I was, I guess... Um... Field work can be a lot of things. It can be like, say, it can be in interviews in person. It can be actually like, say, mo movements in dance as well. And I was just wondering what are the various aspects of it that way. But yeah, I think that definitely covers it in terms of where you're starting with, where you want to go with it. I mean, I would love to be able to create a full length piece. Hmm. <laughs> my, my program is, it's more, uh, it's all like, like writing, um, but you know, I might, let's see, it's it's a great program. It's Columbia University. Uh, 
and the the uh, my cohorts are just amazing and doing phenomenal work. So you know, I have talked to other academics, and they have had the opportunities of creating like actual lived experience, you know, embodied work in in their dissertation. So mm -hmm. that that might open up. Um, I'm really hoping so, because I definitely feel I communicate best through embodiment, mm -hmm. right? Um, and yeah, so if that opens up, uh, I'd be very happy. Very good, far to where that goes. Um, and moving to say movement, so to speak, Parul, I'm very curious about this in the sense of, see, uh, one thing I noticed with choreographers, if their focus <laughs> is say storytelling, so to speak, Mm -hmm. then you know the story takes precedence in terms of you're telling a story sure. and then your movement choices are kind of informed by the story that Absolutely. you tell uh i wanted to get your thoughts about how your movement choices are ex kind of affected by the stories you tell yeah so i think right and i think that's where i've done so much exploring mm -hmm. um i feel i have spent decades working on this uh, movement vocabulary. Mm -hmm. um, and I, you know, in the beginning of the process of creating, I told myself that I'm going to stay open, right? That I'm not going to feel limited by a style. Um, I'm not going to be limited by parameters. Uh, mm -hmm. The most important thing, and as you just said, is to convey the story. Uh, and so, you know, I did my master's many, many years ago, and I also felt why I waited, you know, because my parents were like, after I did my master's, they're like, do your, do your PhD. And I was like, no, because what happened was when I was doing my master's, it became very heady, right? Yeah. It, it was, it was not in, it wasn't coming from then an intuitive way of just moving because I was thinking so much about what I was doing. And so that's why I waited like 15 years to get back and do my doctorate. And I'm so happy I did because okay. it allowed me to kind of let my body um, in a sense be free to, to convey the story without thinking about it too much, right? So this idea of embodiment, right? Embodiment where our body is so connected to our minds. Like mm -hmm. we, I believe that we naturally, we are embodied human beings and that education many times will say no right like still your body just let everything come from come from the mind right and trying to separate the mind and body i feel dancers are very fortunate because we learn how to communicate with our bodies mm -hmm. right and so i had to kind of go back to telling myself you know after my masters that it, to free myself right mm -hmm. to see where this practice will will become, what it will become while creating a narrative. Um, and so, as I said, I, I, I made, uh, I kept telling myself, don't be limited by any style. And so I think what has happened with the movement is that some of my work definitely does step outside of these parameters of Kathak, right? Kathak is a classical form. It is a codified language, just like uh, Bharatanatyam, and Odyssey and flamenco and ballet. Uh, <clears throat> and sometimes I do step outside of those parameters. And 
I think for me, it's very important that when that does happen, I'm honest about it, right? I mm. call it then, uh, I say that my choreography is influenced by Kathak, but I don't call it Kathak because I don't want to offend anybody. Mm. Um, and so I think most of the time my work does step outside of, of the form Kathak. But, you know, for me, that's not, it, it, that's not what it's about. It's about the narrative. And, you know, I was very, and am very fortunate to have a, a guru, Kumudini Lakia, Srimati Kumudini Lakia, and she would always tell me, you know, just dance, right? So she had this way of moving that was open, right? She didn't limit herself. And she's known as a pioneer for contemporary thought and uh, in, in Gathak. And so she was always, and you know, she's seen all of my work uh, and she's been incredibly supportive of, of creating work and not labeling it, right? Mm -hmm. Of it being dance, just, just dance, right? That it doesn't have to be called contemporary or Kathak, you know, she, she gave me that, okay, that, you know, you can move what feels right for you. So I feel very, very fortunate to have that because I know many students do not have that. Understood. Yeah, so I never felt these limitations to my movement. And so this is something I'm curious about then when you come to see movement creation limitations and how you think. Now, because I was talking about this with Sonia, Sonia Sabrizi about... Mm -hmm how a new movement is created in the context if you have a foundation in something and mm. she was talking about you know you if you may want to express yourself in a way and you don't may not have the hashtag for it or say like the certain vocabulary in kathak for it but you know how you the certain fundamentals of how you move in kathak and you use right. that to build new aesthetics uh how does it work for you? Because you're, you know, your base and everything is Kathak. So when you're kind of creating new aesthetics, you have a certain way and foundation of things. How do new movements emerge from that? Right. So what you asked me before about it's in enduring silence that mm. fall, right? I'm just falling. That's clearly not in the aesthetic of Kathak. So at that moment, I needed to show the violence that this woman is facing, right? That she is, is there's this physical, real physical assault. And I needed my audience to feel it. I needed to feel it, right? If mm -hmm. I feel it, then it hopefully is conveying to my audience. And that for me is what needed to happen. I needed to fall. I needed to really, really fall. And as I said, every single time I would do that, it would be different. Um, but I stepped outside of the Kathak vocabulary and I was okay with that because for me, that was how I'm going to show this physical assault on this woman. Mm. Uh, and I think that's what I'm continuously doing in, in my work. Mm. If that makes sense. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. And that's a solid example as well. So I was just putting that together. Yeah. And um, so one thing I want to know, um, Paul, since this, since you have a way of dancing, thinking about things, not worrying too much about 
what other people might perceive and kind of letting yourself be free as well and that kind of comes from how you were taught as well i'm very curious parallel like so you've been taught a certain way you've learned kathak a certain way you absorb things in a certain mm-hmm. way and mm-hmm. how would you say how you've learned is different from how you teach because every teacher is different right they bring their own idea ideas and things and thoughts into it very curious about that yeah i i think they align i think kumiban's teaching aligns very much with the way um that i process movement mm-hmm. uh i think for myself i feel i am taking it uh kumiban's work is 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 kathak mm-hmm. um mine goes outside of those parameters uh i feel the the way that kumiban has instilled using the body i've taken that but i've taken it <laughs> uh to i don't want to say further because that's not correct mm-hmm. i've just applied it differently right? right so for me the usage of my torso um is something that i really uh incorporate in my in my dance mm-hmm. um it's something that i love i love the spine and i just love the movements of the of thought right but mm-hmm. i've taken that to another place mm-hmm. um and so kubiban has definitely uh kind of encouraged uh, and fostered this idea of really the usage of the body and i feel like i've taken that to kind of taken that to another kind of place mm. yeah and speaking of the usage of the body like say when it comes to say your dance company members it's one thing kind of you know moving the way you want yourself to move but when you come when it comes to looking at your the people you want to work with say specifically in your dance company the dancers you choose who do you feel what kind of personalities you feel you work well with what do you look for in your dance in your dancers very curious about that yeah so you know i've been really fortunate my company has been mm-hmm. um up until 2 years ago yeah the company has been uh my students mm. so they have been students who have trained with me for uh more than 12 years Okay. So they've trained with me for a long time and I I've had such a great group of dancers. Okay. Uh, I had a a principal dancer who's amazing and um you know and and I was fortunate because they trained in my style of kathak. Yeah. So to get them to do what I was looking for uh was it it, it you know there was possibilities for that. Okay. Uh but also what i do encourage and you know in that last piece that i did all that lies i did have one dancer who was not from my company she was a dancer that uh she auditioned and um i took her on but i like to give my dancers uh freedom mm. um i don't want the dancers to look like me i mm. want them to look like individuals i want them to feel the narrative on their own terms. Okay. Uh and I want that to be seen. I want that to be seen on the stage. Mm-hmm. I don't want them mimicking the way I look and the way that I move. I think <laughs> I think that's just you know, it's disastrous. It doesn't work, right? Uh we're all individuals and I want to represent those individual voices. So I even encourage, you know, if 
if you see some of my pieces, all of us kind of look different size wise. Um, you know, some are much taller, actually mostly, because I'm yeah. sure mostly everybody's taller than I am. But I like that individual, I love uh, uniqueness. And that's what I try to attain from the dancer, right? So there is a lot of conversation that happens about the work. Um, the ideas are emerging from me, but I allow my dancers to, you know, if, if they have great ideas to bring that to the table, if they have ideas for the movement, bring that to the table. Um, there's a lot of our work where there's a lot of close contact with our body. So, yeah. you know, there's, especially in all that lives, right? Mm -hmm. And that's also why we couldn't, again, present that during the pandemic, right? Exactly. We have pieces where our heads are touching. Um, but you know, all of that, there's this, this idea of intimacy. Um, there's ideas or the, not ideas, but the need for vulnerability. There's the need for trust. Mm -hmm. And I had that with my dancers because we've known each other for 15 years. We've traveled, right, together. We've traveled London, we've been to Pakistan, we've been to mm -hmm. India. You know, so we know each other. We're great friends. Right. Um, and so things are now shifting, okay. you know, because of, of the pandemic. But, yeah. you know, it is a, it's a very long process when you're working with other dancers. And I think that needs to happen, right? It's mm -hmm. not like you just want dancing bodies and say, like, okay, this is the movement. We're going to do this and we're going to do it. It's not about that, mm -hmm. right? And actually what was really funny is that the dancer that did come in, the new dancer, that's what she wanted for me. She's like, yeah. just just tell me the choreography. Tell me, to do. tell me what to do. I was like, no, that's not the process. That's not how we work, right? Okay. And it was really hard for her. It was yeah. very, very challenging. She's like, you know, I'm not used to that. I'm not mm -hmm. used to thinking, essentially. I'm like, no, that's not what's going to happen here. You have to think, right? You have to, get, you have to be invested in the piece, right? That is the process here. So when you leave, mm -hmm. It's, it should be like a spiritual experience, right? Mm. Each each time we create work is, it's a spiritual experience. We're growing mm. and we're evolving, right? We're not mannequins here. We're not mannequins here. <laughs> it's a good one. Um, and Parul, so one thing I want to understand here is, so you talked about letting people be themselves, being the individual selves, moving differently. Mm. But there's also, from what I understand, this team aspect in, uh, say, a group choreography, right? Because everyone needs to, maybe I'm wrong and tell me, correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe that, from what I've understood, everyone needs to dance at a certain level. You can't like surpass everyone and you can't be like really bad, worse than everyone else. Mm. And ultimately what the choreographer says is kind of you know you someone has to kind of sure. provide a vision or a path for that so sure. how does that being individual and moving on your own or creating your own the individuality come in with that whole team group aspect that mm -hmm. you're trying to achieve in that choreography yeah so i think it comes back to trust mm -hmm. right you have to you have to build trust with one another yes um I, I think that is is really it. And you know, say if we are if we are doing a a tukra, right? We're doing some tabatunga, we're executing that. What I and how I see cohesion if we're doing this tukra, that we're we meet at the points together, right? We're hitting those points together. Oh, right? my like, 
right? So, you know, so right? So maybe for Tunga, we all have to come to that spot that this mm. left hand has to be at this 45 angle. Our eyes need to be looking at the right corner. All of that has to be one, right? Okay. All of that has to be good, but it's the in-between, right? Like how did you, how did you execute, say this is like a turn, your turn, the way that I use my wrist for this and the way you used it, it might differ, right? It mm. might be slightly different. And I'm okay with that, okay. right? I don't, I'm not, I'm better than okay. I want that, yeah. right? I want, I'm, I'm encouraging those differences. Mm. But I do also at the same time want where our angles are, it should look like a cohesive mm. piece, right? It can't look like a big mess. Our timing has to be the same. Mm. So I think it's, within those angles is where you find your freedom. Understood. Understood. Yeah. And then, you know, with, with, um, and with the choreography, mm. right. That's beyond just doing a tukra, right. I give those spaces. I love having duets and I like having solos and with those spaces, it's really a lot of conversation. It's a lot about conversation and it's about, you know, finding this, I mean, it's a word that's used a lot, um, but, you know, finding that authenticity for yourself, mm. right? I think that is really, really important. It, it's not beautiful all the time. It can be ugly. It can be scary. Mm. Uh, as I said, that vulnerability and trust is, is important to get into that process. Mm. You know, I see some works and what really moves me in certain works is is when you see that vulnerability and you find this place that looks so honest mm. right that it does not look like if it's a traditional work and it's it does not look like it's just something that your guru did right that it's really coming from a place that's that's honest and that's within you mm. and so that's what I'm, I'm striving for and I'm striving for not just as a choreographer but I'm also striving for that in my students Okay, so I really like your example about kind of fixing certain points as to what needs to be there and kind of letting them fill in the blanks. That really helps kind of light that up. <coughs> I don't like, I'm just I'm looking at my topics, we're kind of done with everything. So for my last question, and this comes from the fact that you said most of your dancers have been students, have been there with you for a while, because mm -hmm. one of the things that I'm very curious about is about uh, and, and it's one of those big question things that no one has an easy answer for, right? So just want your insights on this, like specifically retention of Kathak students after high school or say the Rangman Pravay. So if mm. you've noticed, you probably noticed this, right? Like people do their answers seriously for 10 years or something. They do mm. their Rangman and then, you know, Kathak just vanishes from their lives because there's no, maybe there's no avenue for it. Maybe college takes them on a different path. Maybe it's something they were kind of forced into and they didn't want to come back to it. Lots of different things right. but in terms of see retaining the students who want to do it who weren't forced into it um what if you have some insights as to how kathak as a community can retain all a lot more students right. instead of losing them right after high school right. if you had any success with that or if you think where should what should be done for that i'm very curious about what you have to your thoughts on yeah, that i mean that's something i have not i have not experienced until now because mm. I have mainly been working with you know 
young adults and <laughs> building my company. And so all those students are there because they want to be there. Oh, okay, gotcha. However, now, you know, I, I have been teaching at an institute and now these girls have been with me for uh, 10 years and many of them are going into that phase that they will be graduating high school. And we are talking about, I've never done a wrong lunch, but we might be doing it next year. So, you know, I see some of them, they're like, there are three of them right now. And some of them will, well, there are only three. So one, I don't think will continue. Um, and I do think two will, and mm -hmm. their parents have told me that they will continue and they are interested. So, and some I think are just there because they feel that it's gonna help them when they apply for college, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, they take the exams. They've been, I've been giving them exams and so now they're there in their sixth, seventh year. Uh, but I think what is, and what I, tried to do because you know Kathak comes from a tradition that's like more than a thousand years old right and I think what we need to do and it's not about being South Asian America it's not about being in the diaspora mm -hmm. India has also changed right and I think what is important is that the dance also changes with time now, what does that hold? What does that mean? It doesn't mean that everyone has to do contemporary work like what I'm doing, right? That doesn't mean it at all. You can do, Kathak is beautiful. Kathak has so many facets, right? And there's so much to explore. But I do think that we should have the space as teachers, right? To talk about how culture has shifted. And what do you think about that? And how does, how do pieces of Radha Krishna, how does that make you feel? How does it make you feel that Krishna um, is, you know, or Radha more so is waiting for Krishna while he is flirting and having these other um, affairs, you know, yep. relations with other women. How is that making you feel? Like, are you okay showing that? Like, how do we, can we reinterpret this, mm -hmm. right? Or do we just not do it, mm -hmm. right? What about the gungat? Like, how does that, how does that apply to you in your life, right? Mm -hmm. So these are conversations because culture is continuously shifting, right? And I do feel that if we want to continue the tradition of Kathak, the dance forms and Bharatanatyam, we have to find relatability. Right. If there is not relatability, then the forms cannot still survive. Right. It's just going to be. And also what's going to happen is the form is just limited to your classroom. The way I see dance, it, it's my life. Right. It helps me evolve as a human being. Mm -hmm. And Gatak, all the Indian classical dance, because they have such a deep tie to spirituality. Mm -hmm. Right. It, I think, can really help you grow as a human being. But I do think you have to find the, the correct lens, especially when you're teaching, right? So that there is this relatability. Because without that, I do feel like it will become shelved and it will become forgotten, right? After mm -hmm. high school or college or whatever. So I think as educators of the form, we have to think about teaching in a way that 
it relates to their life and their lived experiences. And those dialogues about stories, you know, that may or may not make them uncomfortable, right? And how can we shift and how can we reinterpret? Hmm. Yeah, I think um, what you said about like discussing if the stories make you uncomfortable and all that, it's, I think that's the thing. Uh, it, it, it's, I think you're right that, it, that like, people are doing it individually, like mm-hmm. certain teachers are doing it, but the, we collectively are not. It's not like a cons- combined group effort kind of deal. And right. I mean, I am doing it with my students, yeah. right? Like even right now, they have to, for their exam, they have to do a gungat gat, mm. right? So I'm talking to them and, you know, I'm bringing their, some of them are Rajasthani. And so, you know, their, their parents and their grandparents live in Rajasthan mm. and the gungat is, is really a part of Rajasthani culture, but you know, to talk about that and to talk about it with their families and also just these ideas. And, you know, these girls are so smart, you know, ones like I asked them, how do they feel about a veil? They're like, I think it's very beautiful as long as I'm not forced to wear it. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that's, that's how it is. Right. Mm-hmm. I do think, I think the Gungur is also very beautiful. Right. And I have this one other piece that I did years ago about the hijab and you know there was a time in this country where they're like you know it is just it's oppressive for women to have to wear this hijab and my piece was kind of looking at it the other way right does it have to be oppressive right it could be also that it is it's the way that they identify themselves and who's to say you know with this outside perspective with an ethnocentric perspective that the hijab is oppressive right like, who are we to say that? So, you know, I think I, you know, and, and why I'm talking also with my, my students about this is because I also went through this as a child, right? I felt a lot of these pieces, I'm like, this is not how I identify myself as a woman, mm. right? This is not how I see myself. This is not how I want other women to be perceived. And hence, this is also my life's work of, you know, all the work that I'm doing with education and my choreography. So again, I really feel that these conversations with my students are really Mm -hmm. important. Yeah, and then they come up with their own, you know, they come up with their own decisions, Hmm. right? I can't make those decisions for them. I can guide them to think about it, right? Hmm. So I'm giving them that, hopefully I'm opening up doors where, they might want to change it or you know they they might not want it they might decide not to want to do it it's not comfortable for them right mm-hmm. but hopefully they don't shelve kata that's the idea that they carry it forward mm. yeah the relatability part of it makes sense yeah and it's it is something i do think about very very often thanks for sharing that i think uh uh like one thing i was thinking about uh, in terms of relatability this was not like nearly that kind of uh, serious so to speak for me but say i'm doing like a salamika tokra and the uh, he want like and we wanted me to walk a certain way and mm-hmm. i was walking and he said hey pramit is it, like this looks sloppy is this the way you walk i'm like 
this is the way i walk because <laughs> like i kind of walk weird but in the <laughs> sense but and 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 the andatokra has a way of walking and i realized like i've been walking wrong so to speak yeah. so uh, that kind of helped me understand the way i move a little bit yeah. as well so that was relatable to me in terms of like the way i walk so to speak um but yeah, yeah. that being said paral yeah just to recap a little bit we talked about dancing without music and that one i'm very intrigued by i'm definitely going to try that out mm-hmm. uh and then kind of going into the narratives you deal with and yeah how... i think just from going back go for, to go that, i think i think everybody should try it and i think mm. you might find it oh my god this is harder right because probably you just don't have that support right yeah. but i do think that it is just a very good study of of self too so i encourage i encourage you to to try it out <laughs> yeah definitely well that one that i whenever i do one of these i always so like there's always every now and then you find something oh i can kind of try that right now in my next practice that one's easy yeah. to kind of just try out so yeah. that's a very good one and but yeah i would just say thanks a lot paral for kind of telling us how you think how you've kind of gone about dance creating yeah. imparting that to your students i really enjoyed this conversation thank you so much pramit thank you and thank you for having this it's it's so wonderful i love listening to everybody so good job Thanks. <laughs>